Good afternoon. Let's find 1 Peter chapter 1 now, our text for this afternoon. And as you're turning there to 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to introduce to you a couple of unusual things, an unusual name and an unusual idea. Let's start with the unusual idea. Did you know, according to God's Word, that trial that you're facing right now in your life may well be the most valuable thing that you have? And it's odd for us to think of that. Usually when we're facing a trial, we want most of all to get out of the trial. But God says the trials are His method. First of all, for strengthening our faith, and second, for revealing Jesus Christ in us. We talked this morning a little bit about temptations. We said, as the Bible says, temptations are common to man. So are trials. And especially in the lives of Christian people, God uses trials to reveal to us who He really is. I don't know about you, there's been a couple of times in my life when Jesus was so very real to me that it was superfluous to even say He is real. Just like I wouldn't walk up to you, shake your hand and greet you and say, you are real, because you're right there. He was just there in reality. And those were the dark days. Those were the hard days. Scripture says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. So we'll talk about the value of a trial. Now let me introduce you to an unusual name. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Ronald Wayne. I have his middle name, if that helps. Ronald Gerald Wayne. Some people have heard of him, but not many. Way back in 1976, Ronald Wayne did something big. He co-founded a technology company. With two, under, uh, two other individuals, they co-founded a company that they thought would be able to develop, wait for it, computers that people would actually be able to use at home. Wow. Remember, this was 1976, so research and development was definitely required. But they thought they could do it. Well, Ronald Wayne stuck with it, and as a co-founder of this company, he had a, a founder's share. He owned part of that company. He stuck with it and endured and worked hard for all of 12 days. And then he quit. He bailed out. He said, first of all, this is too much stress and pressure for me. Second... I've been involved with startup companies before, and I just don't think computers that people can use at home is a valid idea. I don't think it'll happen. And he took a look at the share of ownership he had in the company, and he sold out. He got $800 for his share of ownership in that new computing company. You say, well, that was 1976, so let's be fair. It was probably worth more than $800 today. You're right, about $3,500. About $3,500. Not bad for 12 days of work. Come on now. $3,500. Can anybody here tell me what was the name of that computing company that Ronald Wayne co-founded together with two other individuals? Anybody know? Apple. Apple. Now, you've probably heard of Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Many people have. Not many people remember the name Ronald Wayne. And here's the kicker. What if he had stuck with it? How much would his share of ownership be worth today? about $85 billion, which would make him the third richest man in the world. 
He looked at what he had in his hand. He evaluated it on face value rather than future value. And I think a lot of times when God entrusts us, us with a trial, we look at it, we evaluate it, the value of the trial based on face value, how it's affecting us in the here and now, rather than future value. Now let's read our text, 1 Peter chapter 1, and starting in verse 6. Peter writes to his Christian friends, and as many of you know, uh, the, the friends that Peter is writing to, they're experiencing deep testings and trials at this time, and so he writes these words. Verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Let's pause right there. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Peter says, I've got some news for you you're going to love. This is great news. You're going to rejoice when you hear this. Now let me ask you, what news would make you greatly rejoice? I'm not going to attempt to answer the question for you. Sometimes preachers will ask a question and they'll try to answer it for you. I don't know. I'm not going to try to fill in the blank, but I do want you to really think about it. What kind of news would you have to hear today that would make you greatly rejoice, that would physically affect you? You would jump up and down. There would be a smile on your face that nothing could erase. You would be so happy. I'm interested in that phrase. Myself, I'm not a great rejoicer. We all have different personalities. I'm not a great rejoicer. People say to me, why don't you smile more? I say, I am smiling. <laughs> no, but Peter says you're going to love it. You'll be so happy when you hear this. Where in? In this item that I'm about to describe to you. You don't just rejoice, you greatly rejoice. That's the best news you could possibly receive. What could that be, Peter? Well, you know this passage. You know what's coming next. But I just want to set that, lay that foundation and prompt your thinking. Peter views a trial of faith in a far more positive light than you or I do. You might hear the theme announced and say, oh, we're going to talk about trials. That's a depressing topic. Peter didn't think so. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. It's the idea of testings. You could say trials that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about the value of trials under these two headings. Trials are valuable for these two reasons, not just because of evaluating a trial in the here and now, the heaviness that Peter describes. No, that's not the value Think of the purifying of your faith and think of the proving of your faith. Both are described here by Peter in this text. First of all, he says, the trying of your faith purifies you. As we've commented recently, purification is essentially singleness. It's taking out everything that, that, that is not that element. Peter compares the trying of our faith to the purification of gold. As indeed, you might recall in the Old Testament, do you remember a man who said, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. If anybody has gone through trials other than Jesus Christ, it certainly was Job, wasn't it? And he said, purifying is valuable to me. Now, I've heard this illustration described before. You probably have as well. In the Old Testament, especially in the book of Malachi, God is described as a refiner. And there's a refiner who will place the gold in a 
crucible and a vessel, and he will heat it up. And as the gold is heated, the impurities, the dross, will rise to the surface, and he will take those impurities away. And over and over again, as the gold is heated and heated and heated, the impurities rise to the surface, and the refiner will take them away and take them away and take them away until nothing but pure gold is remaining, and he can look in that vessel and see himself. And what trials are good for, first and foremost in our lives, is they take the self out. As we are heated, those impurities rise to the surface. That short temper, there it is, comes out. Mm. Those feelings of bitterness that we love to revel in, mm, they become very obvious. And everything that does not look like Jesus Christ, God refines and he takes out and he takes out. I don't know if you've ever been through a very difficult day. Very taxing day, and at the end of the day, you sighed and you said, wow, that was a hard day. It took a lot out of me. That's exactly what trials do. They take a lot of me out. And God graciously allows us to go through trials to take out self until nothing but Jesus Christ remains. I direct your attention, please, to verse 7. Look at the end result here. As you're tried, like by fire, eventually the goal is you will be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, Bible scholars have different ideas about this last phrase, the appearing of Jesus Christ. That word is actually the word revelation. It's the same word as you find in the title of the book. Revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ, is the end goal of the trials of faith that you go through. And some Bible commentators think of this phrase as indicating that, that final return of Jesus Christ when he appears and then we are finally glorified, we'll receive those rewards, partly due to the trials of our faith in those last days that will be revealed. I believe there's more to it than that, and some other commentators agree. The appearing of Jesus Christ can also be thought of as here and now. Our faith is refined with fire. It is tried until Jesus Christ is revealed. Do you know Jesus Christ is being revealed all around the world right now? Ah, yes, there will be that final day when he appears and all nations see him, but he's being revealed in the hearts and lives of Christian people whom God takes through trials. And we see less and less of them and more and more of Jesus Christ. Would you take a minute and turn over a page? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. It's a very similar thought that Peter writes here. Obviously, this is a burden that is very much on his mind. He's, he's feeling the pressure that his Christian friends are going through. And in a, a very similar phrase, 1 Peter chapter 4, he writes this, uh, verse 12. Chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But do what? What does it say? Rejoice. And I'll pause right there again for a moment. That reminds me of the words of Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, we should rejoice and be exceeding glad when we're persecuted. Rejoice, Peter says, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Peter, why should I rejoice? When his glory shall be revealed. In you, people, people around the world see that Jesus Christ is real. 
when God takes us through trials. On your part, he is glorified, verse 14. Do you see that? Back to our text, 1 Peter chapter 1. Our faith is purified. <clears throat> we are purified. Jesus Christ is revealed in us. You may be familiar with the name Harlan Popoff. And he's a man who's a preacher. Uh, decades ago, he was imprisoned for many years in communist prisons and, in fact, suffered very real tortures for Christ. As a matter of fact, the name of his biography, the title is actually Tortured for Christ. And I won't take the time to read the quote, but several times in his biography, he says this. He says, it was in the darkest nights in the darkest prison cells when I knew Jesus. In the most real and personal way I have ever known him in my life. And he said, it was in the middle of the suffering that I knew that Jesus was real and he was there with me. And he said, if I could go back and rewrite the story of my life, if I could remove the suffering, I wouldn't. The purification of our faith. Jesus Christ revealed in us, that's the value of a trial. How do you value the trial that you're facing in your life? I know many of you are going through deep waters right now, but I also know this. People carry burdens that they don't reveal. And I might know some of your burdens, but I don't know all. There's people who greet us with a smile, but their hearts are heavy. And they're facing a trial, and they can't really share it, can't even talk about it. It's just between them and God. Do you consider that to be valuable because Christ is being formed in you? Trials of faith aren't one of the ways that God strengthens our faith. It is the way. It is the way. What would you think of the athlete who really wants to become stronger and faster, but he does not want to exercise? What would you think about that? What would you think about the musician who really wants to become more accomplished, but does not want to practice? Instant coffee, instant tea, instant piano. That's for me. <laughs> you wouldn't think much of that person, would you? You would say, it's not going to work. It's not going to work out. What do you think of the Christian who wants to become stronger in faith, but who does not want to face any trials? Who prays, God, take me out of the trial. It's not going to work. What do you think about the Christian person who really wants to see Jesus Christ revealed in his life, but he does not want any trials? It doesn't work. Trials are the very avenue, the very method that God uses to reveal Christ in us. So that's point number one, the purification of our faith. One of the reasons that Peter lays before us, he said, you should jump up and down. You should greatly rejoice if you're going through a trial. God will reveal Jesus Christ in you. He will strengthen your faith. Number two, the proving of our faith. Can I direct your attention to a couple of words in the text? It's 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 6 and verse 7. Look at verse 6. The last word in the verse says temptations. Now that's a general word for testings. Temptations. But then the text continues on. Look at verse 7. The trial of your faith. And then verse 7 again. Though it be tried with fire. That's a different word. That's a word for proving something. Wow. Not just making you go through hard times, but proving a point. Proving something. It'd be like this. It'd be like the, the athlete who says to his coach, Coach, 
Coach, I've been working hard. I've been practicing. Coach, I'm so good now. I'm so fast. I'm much stronger. And the coach says, all right, fair enough. Prove it. I got a stopwatch here. Run that 40. Go. And he times him. Wow, you proved it. See, he faced a trial. That's the word trial. A trial for the purpose of proving something. You following me? Like the musician who says to her teacher, hey, teacher, I've been practicing so hard, and I really want to sit first chair in the orchestra, and I'm so good now, you know. And the teacher says, all right, fair enough. Uh, here's an etude. Sight read this. There you go. Wow, good. You have been working hard. It's a trial that is intended to prove something. Now, the trying of our faith isn't just rough times. It's to prove a point. If you're thinking right now, and you're not snoozing, you might be thinking, okay, I get it, Pastor Zempel. I see where you're headed with this. Trial to prove a point. That's why trying of our faith is so valuable. God wants to demonstrate to the world by putting me through a trial of faith what a strong Christian I am. That's what's going to be proved when I make it through the trial. Do you think that's it? When God puts you through a trial, he is going to prove to the world that he is God. That God is everything he says he is. And that God can do everything he says that he can do. God spoke in heaven and he said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, look at Job. Put him through a trial and he just goes ahead and shows how great God is. Job had faith in God, but you see, God had faith in Job. Remember the Scottish preacher Marcus Dodds, I've quoted him many times. He said, it is necessary to consider not only whether I have faith in Christ, but whether Christ has faith in me. Can God depend upon you in a trial? Remember the example of the Apostle Paul. He prayed three times, God take it away. Jesus answered him, he said, I won't take away the thorn but I will give you grace and I will perfect my strength in you. I will prove to you and to others that I am everything that I say that I am. Now, would you be willing to volunteer for a trying of faith if God could prove himself to be God to the world around you? Would you volunteer? Maybe you've heard the story told of that tightrope walker from years past, Charles Blondine. Have you heard that name before? He attracted great crowds who watched him do death-defying stunts. And at one time, Charles Blondine strung a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And the crowds gathered. They wanted to see a spectacle. And with the crowds gathered around, Charles Blondine said, How many of you believe that I could carry a man on my back across this tightrope? And everybody cheered and said, yeah, yeah. Charles Blondine said, okay. How many of you believe I could do that right now? And all his fans said, yes, yes. And Charles Blondine said, who wants to go? And it became very quiet. Nobody wanted to go. Well, they believed he could do it. Nobody wanted to go. <laughs> Eventually, he had to force his manager to go along for the ride. He said, you got it. Nobody's going to do it. You got it. I, I would say he forced him kicking and screaming, but I don't think he was kicking <laughs> at all. He said, get on my back. We're going. 
And now God looks down from heaven at this room and he says, How many of you believe my grace is sufficient? Yes, we all say. How many of you believe my strength is perfected in weakness? Yes. Who wants to volunteer to prove it? Nobody. And when we're in a trial, our prayer is, God, take me out of this trial. God, bring this trial to an end. God, take me back to blessed Christian living. And God is saying to you, what if the trial is blessed Christian living? What if the trial is where you find out who I really am? What if the fiery furnace is the place where you meet me? The trying of our faith is so valuable. This is not a complicated thought. It doesn't need to be complicated. It's valuable because of eternity. Oh, we look at it sometimes at face value. We say in the here and now, it's, it's heaviness, it's difficulty, it's painful. But in eternity, God will show his glory by the purifying of our faith, by the revealing of Jesus Christ in us, by God proving he is who he says he is through us. Earlier, I told you the story about Ronald Wayne. Could have been worth $85 billion if only he had stayed in. Well, people knew about him. They knew about his story. Journalists asked him later on, decades later, they said, Mr. Wayne, you'd be worth billions right now. Do you regret your decision? And here's the funny thing. He consistently said, no, I do not regret leaving the company. He said this, if I had stayed and worked together with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, he said, it was like trying to work with a whirlwind. He said, it was like trying to hold two tigers by the tail. He said, if I had stayed at the company right now, I would be the richest man in the graveyard. He said, it would have killed me. He said, I do not regret my decision to leave. Maybe this man knew something that Christian people should know. He knows there's things in life that are more valuable than money. And Peter in this text, he sets before us, as it were, a great balance with arms stretching out on both sides. And on one side, there's a great gleaming pile of gold in the scale. And on the other side, a trial. And Peter says Christian people will choose the trial every time. If you had to choose between gold and a trial, which would you choose? Is your trial valuable to you? Are you seeking God to get out of it? Or seeking God to reveal himself in you through it? Now let's pray together. Father, we thank you. You are our Heavenly Father. You have only the best in mind for us. And even the